0: Good morning. I love you. We're 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 family, and I I appreciate you. Uh, About twenty five years ago, we had a church growth consultant come to our church. Uh, He was a specialist, not in church health, but church growth. How can we get a church to grow? And uh, <clears throat> he, he's from San Francisco, I think. Came out here and he was with us for several years. And he would spend several days with me, just coaching me. He speak, spoke on the weekend. Uh, and as I look back on my life, that was times with him, was one of the most um, stretching times of my life because he was telling us how to grow the church and he was coaching me. And I remember this one particular time we were sitting. I uh, was here in the church someplace, and we were, he was coaching, guiding me on what we should do. And I remember he came up with a suggestion, something that our church uh, ought to do if we were going to grow. And I thought about it, and I said to him, I said, well, I don't think I would be comfortable with that. And he said, Well, of course not. <laughs> that was revolutionary to me, because all of us, we do what's comfortable, right? We live our life, make decisions on what's comfortable for us. And he was giving me some new concept, and I wasn't going to be very comfortable with that. And it was like I realized none of us are going to grow if we stay where we're comfortable. We have to go where we're uncomfortable. And it usually takes somebody from outside to coach us on what we ought to do that's uncomfortable so that we can see more people come to Christ. So I really appreciate, his name is Jack Weitzel, some of you remember him, I really appreciate his input in my life, and we're going to talk today about one of the stories in the Bible where someone had to get in an uncomfortable situation, and we're going to apply it to ourselves and hopefully learn some things. Some of you heard my story when I first learned how to swim, but others of you haven't heard it, so I'm going to tell it again because it's relevant. Um... To what we're talking about today. I was a Boy Scout and I went to Camp Big Island. Some of you were probably been there. Camp Big Island was a Boy Scout camp over on Lake Sylvan on an island that was there. And, uh, I went, the first year I went, uh, I was pretty young and immature and they, they put me in, in what you call the, what I call the kiddie pool. You see, it was a part, they, they had this swimming area down at the beach. And they had a pier that went out and then over about 30 feet long. And up here in this corner was where the kiddies, that couldn't swim. You know, the water was only about to hear on you. You couldn't drown if you tried. And then they had this middle section where the water was up about to hear. You could, you could have fun there. And then on the other side of the pier was deep water over your head for a kid. And they had a pontoon boat out back, and then there was a fence on further out, so you couldn't get out too far. Anyway, they had to decide which kid gets to go to which of the three swimming areas, and came to uh, me, and I and they asked the question, "Can you swim?" Well, hey, I don't want to go back into kiddie pool. I, I'm I'm just beginning to go into adolescence, you know, and. Uh, going through puberty, and I didn't want anybody to think I wasn't wasn't capable. So I said, "Yes, I can swim." So he took me out to the end and says, "Jump in!" So I jumped in. Went straight to the bottom. I remember feeling the sand on my feet. And he said, "And well, the guy he's waiting up there, waiting for me to come up. I always thought you would float to the top." You know, you see pictures of drowned people, they're always floating. So I figured I would float to the top, I never floated. So I'm just waiting. Pretty soon his pole comes down, poking around. (laughs) Grabbed a hold of the pole, and he pulled me up. And he said, swim down to the end. It's about 30, 35 feet down there. Swim to the end. So I started kicking and flailing and leaning that direction. And little by little, I made it down there. And I looked up at him, I'm so proud of myself, and he said, swim back. I thought, oh no, I'm wore out. So I kicked and flailed and leaned the other way, and finally I got down there to the end and climbed up, they had this this little ladder, climbed up on the pier, and and he said, okay, and he put me in the middle section, he didn't let me out there over... I said I could swim and I did. I proved I could swim, but he didn't trust me that swim good enough. So he put me in the other section where the water's about this high. That's how I learned to swim. I just had to jump in and just had to do it. And I think all of us need to realize there are times in our life where we're sinking. You ever felt like you're sinking? You get a bad news report from the doctor, and you're sinking. You have a big blowout of a uh, fight with your spouse, and you're sinking. You're not sure your marriage is going to survive. You're afraid you're going to lose your job. Then what are we going to do? You're sinking, financially sinking. We're going to look at a story today from the Bible where one of the disciples found himself sinking. We're going to talk about it. So let's read the story first. Get it in our mind. I'm reading from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 14. I'm going to start in verse 22. Immediately, before I read on remember that word, you know what immediately means? You're going to see that three times in this story. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, He went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before, lost my place. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them. He said, then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Not the most dignified prayer, but it worked. Lord, save me. I think some of us pray too dignified a prayer. We're, we're too cautious about saying it just right. When what Jesus cares about is somebody just swallowing their pride and saying, save me. I love the King James Version. It just says, Lord, help. That's not a very dignified prayer, but it worked. So, from this story of Peter sinking, I want to share some lessons that we can learn while we're sinking. So this is particularly a message for people who are in some kind of a crisis in your life where you are sinking. You're on your way down. You feel the pressure of about to lose it as you go down. So whether it's health, finances, relationship, whatever it is you feel like you're sinking, I believe God wants to say some things to you. Here's the first lesson while you're sinking. Jesus always knows where you are. He was up on the mountainside praying. They were out somewhere in the Galilee. He was up there praying. Last time they saw him, he sent them off while he was going to dismiss the crowd. They hadn't seen him since. They didn't know where he was. But the good news is Jesus always knows where you are. He always knew where these disciples were. When he started walking on the water, he didn't walk off someplace. He walked right by them. He knew where they were. Listen, he knows where you are. You feel like you're sinking, but it's okay. He knows where you are. He's got his eye on you. Always has his eye on you. Here's lesson two. When in trouble, here comes Jesus. You see, Jesus wants to help you get to the other side. He wants to help you uh, reach the goals of your life. I mean, your life is important, isn't it? Next to God and your relationship with God, your life is a big deal. It's a big thing. You don't want to hurt. You don't want to be confused. You want to know where you're going. You want to live with confidence. And God wants you to live with confidence, but you cannot do it alone. You got to have God on your side. That's what's important. You have to remember that. you got to have God on your side. So when in trouble, here comes Jesus because he wants to help you be successful in life. He wants to help you deal with every curveball Satan throws at you. He wants to help you deal with that. So you need to stay connected to him. Lesson three. You must recognize Jesus. You have to recognize him. He shows up periodically in our lives. Periodically, there's a visitation. Periodically, we're going through something, and he's there to help us. But you have to recognize it. You have to you have to sense this is God when God begins to work in your life, or you'll miss it. You'll miss God's intervention. <clears throat> you have to recognize him. There's a story in the Gospel of Luke... After Jesus had died on the cross, buried in that tomb, and all the disciples went back home. Story's over. Their hearts are broken. They're confused. They're mixed up. They don't know what they're going to do. This guy that they trusted in to be the Messiah is dead. Now what? So they're all wandering home. And this stranger shows up to two of the disciples as they're wandering down the road toward a community called Emmaus. And he's going down the Emmaus Road, and the stranger shows up and says, What's going on? What are you talking about? They were talking about what just happened in Jerusalem, that Jesus was crucified, died, laid in a tomb. Now they don't know what's going to happen. And as they were telling Jesus their confusion, Jesus began talking to them about all the, the prophecies and all the word pictures and types from the Old Testament. Of the Messiah that was going to come, die on the cross, raise from the dead, and save Israel, and as he's talking all these things as he's sharing with them. They don't know who it is. He's a stranger. They just don't know. But when they get to Emmaus, they ask him, "Would you would you stay on? They're just you're warming our hearts. We want you to stay on." So he stayed with them. They ate supper, broke bread together. And suddenly, while they're breaking bread, it dawns on them, this is Jesus. Remember, these are two disciples. They had been sitting at his feet. They had heard what he was saying. They should recognize Jesus, right? But he doesn't look like they remember. Doesn't look like that at all. His appearance has changed the resurrected Christ appeared to those two guys, told them what they needed to do, gave them the hope they needed, and they didn't even know it was Jesus. And finally their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Jesus today sits at the right hand of the Father, but he guides us through his Spirit. The Holy Spirit that's in the world today lives inside of us. So when the Holy Spirit shows up in our life that is the spirit of Jesus can you recognize it can you recognize him when he is speaking to you when somebody you don't a stranger you don't even know comes up and speaks something into your life can you recognize that the spirit inside of that person could be Jesus the spirit of Jesus speaking to you we have to we we have to recognize that Because if we recognize that's Jesus, we'll take it as a word from God. If we don't recognize it as Jesus, we'll just think, well, that was a nice guy, said some nice things to me, and we miss it. Jesus wants to show himself to us repeatedly in our life, but he won't ever look the same, always look different. So you have to recognize Jesus. Here's the fourth lesson from the story. Peter had a decision to make. Every time we find ourselves in a crisis, every time we find ourselves sinking, we've got a decision. We have to do something with this. What are we going to do? We have to think this through. So I'm talking to people in, a, in some kind of a crisis, sinking right now. Peter had a decision to make. The other disciples were in the boat, and they had faith in that boat to keep them afloat. But when he saw Jesus walking on the water, that woke something inside of him. That stirred him. Do I want to stay here where I'm secure, trusting in the boat? Or do I want to trust in the word I just heard, come? It was a significant word, come. Get out of the boat, walk on the water. Peter, think before you say. If that's really you, invite me to come. He didn't... When we think and we logically work things through, we will always say, oh, no, I can't do that. But it was kind of like a knee-jerk reaction. He recognized Jesus. That inspired him, motivated him to want to be like Jesus. That ought to be something that speaks to every one of us. The word, What we read about Jesus in the Bible should inspire us and motivate us to be more like him. So he's got to decide if he's going to stay in the boat or get out of the boat. And he has to make this decision in the darkness. It's dark out there. It's nighttime. You and I have to make decisions in our life when it's dark, when we cannot see the answer, when we cannot see the, the direction we should walk. We have to make decisions. That's called faith. We have to have something to believe in So we believe in Jesus and we believe in the Word of God, and that gives us hope. Here's the fifth lesson Peter had a dream, a vision of what could be. A dream is a vision of what could be. Martin Luther King had a dream. Remember that famous speech? I have a dream. I have a dream where everybody is treated the same. You don't treat somebody different because their color of their skin is different. But everybody, you, you, you evaluate people based on their character. He said, I have a dream. I have a dream. It wasn't reality. But it was a dream. I have a dream for the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. That we as a people will work together that we will see what God wants to accomplish. We will have him tell us what his dream is so we can adopt that dream and make it happen because we are the body of Christ. We are the hands and the feet of Christ. I have a dream for what the church could be. I have a dream for what the kind of life my kids might have. I have a dream for my grandkids. I have a dream for your grandkids. A vision I want to help make it happen. I want to do everything I can for that to become reality. Have a dream. So it says, when Peter came down out of the boat, that's in verse 29. When he came down out of the boat, he had to get out of what he was trusting in. Sometimes you and I have to take a step of faith and get out of what we are trusting in. For God to do something bigger in our life. And it was seeing Jesus walk on the water that gave him faith that maybe, just maybe, I can do this. Seeing Jesus do it. And I'll take it one step further. Seeing your brothers and sisters here at New Hope Christian Center do some amazing things should inspire you to be able to do amazing things. That's the value of our testimony. Of what God has done in our life, it's important that we tell our story. So Peter had a dream. you and I have to have a dream of what can be. not what is, what can be. Here's number six: Seeing the wind can kill your vision. See, Peter saw the wind. Wait a minute, Pastor Dale, you can't see the wind. That's right. You can't see the wind. But you can see the effects of the wind, can't you? All I have to do is look out my window and I can see the effects of the wind all over my lawn right now. Leaves out there, rolling, tumbling, hopefully they blow clear out in the field. So I don't have to deal with them. You can't see the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind. In John chapter 3, Jesus explained the Holy Spirit at work in our life, which is hard to explain, but he explains it in three word pictures. The new birth, light in the darkness, and the wind. The wind blowing. So I want to give you a few aspects of the wind as it relates to the Holy Spirit at work in your life. Number one, winds Come and go without warning. Now, I have this amazing app on my phone. It's called Weatherbug. I get to check out the weather, and it gives me usually pretty accurate uh, predictions of what the wind is going to do. It tells me how fast it's going to be coming at a certain, you know, hour by hour through the day. You used to just have to hope, but now you can actually see it. It's amazing what these cell phones do. Tells me which direction the wind's are going to come from. That tells me which way the leaves are going to blow. So if I take my leaves that blow up in that corner and I blow them out to where the wind's going to hit it, there they go. Don't have to rake them. Don't have to burn them. Just let the wind do its job. (laughs) Winds come and go without warning unless you got weather bug. Here's the second thing. Winds cannot be seen. You cannot see the wind. You don't you don't know which way the wind's coming from or going because you cannot see it. But you can see the effects of the wind, can't you? Just look at the flag up there. You can see which way the wind's coming from. Just look at the flag. You can't see the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind. You cannot see the Spirit at work in your life or in our church, but you can sure see the effects of it. The wind. The wind of the Spirit has to do with the circumstances around us. God setting things up. God moving things. You can... You can see that. You can sense that around you. In other words, you never get to see God's face because you don't know he's coming. But you can always see God's backside as he moves on past. You can see the effects after the fact. Wouldn't it be nice if we could anticipate what God was going to do? But you can't anticipate what God's going to do. You can only see what he just did. amazing. Here's the third thing. Winds imply impending change. When it gets real windy, you can believe the temperature is going to change. If it's been cool, it's going to warm up. If it's been warm, it's going to cool down. The wind implies there's a change in the air. So when you see the Holy Spirit begin doing something, you can be sure there's a change in the air. God's going to change the atmosphere. He's going to do something different in our life or in our church. Or in our country, in the place where you work. Here's number four. Winds can assist or hinder. If you had a if you had a sailboat and you wanted to sail out there, you'd want to catch the wind. Raise that sail, stretch it out, the wind blows into the sail and it pushes that boat. You can use your rudder to then to redirect, but you have to have the power of the wind. But if the wind moves around and is against you, you don't want those sails up. You want to drop those sails, so you adjust your life. You change your life based on the winds. You have to takes a lifetime to learn how to sense that. And number four, so so in other words, the wind of the Holy Spirit might be to your advantage. It also might be to slow you down. Let's not tell God how to manage our lives. He knows best. Just let God, let God do that. And here's the fifth thing. If you can discern the wind, you can ride the waves. If you can figure out which way the wind's blowing, you can put up your sail and you can ride it. You can do what God wants you to do. You cannot control it but you sure can write it. And that's what we've tried to do here at New Hope Christian Center all these years. We are not the church we are because I sat down with some key men and I said, let's do this for God. Everything we did here at New Hope was because we had to. Didn't have a choice. You know why we built this building? Because we didn't have any room left in the little building. We were full in both services We were landlocked, didn't have enough parking. We had to do something. We didn't build this building because we had a big dream, a big head. We did it because we didn't have a choice. You got to park cars someplace. You have to seat people someplace. So we had to build this building. You've had the same experience where things changed in your life and you had to change. All right. Worship team's going to come up. we got one last song, but don't pay attention to them. Pay attention to me. Here's number seven. A prayer of poverty will let you dream again. A prayer of poverty. What am I talking about? A prayer of poverty. I thought God wanted us to be rich. He wanted to prosper us. Yes, he does. But there's sometimes we need to give up our eloquent, dignified prayers and just say a simple prayer that's from the heart. Lord save me That's not very dignified but that's a cry from the heart that's a cry of poverty. The King James version says, Lord help It's not very dignified but God heard it. God hears our prayers prayer of poverty Matthew chapter four, or Matthew chapter 14 this continues the story verse 31. Immediately, There's the third time we find it. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? You were doing so good, Peter. You got out of the boat. You were actually walking on water. People can't do that. People sink. But you were walking on water. You were living supernaturally you were doing something nobody else could do you were doing so good why did you doubt oh ye of little faith but immediately Jesus answered immediately notice your little faith does not slow Jesus down your little faith is all he needs he just needs something to work with just needs a little bit of faith a little bit of hope immediately Jesus reached out his hand his hand Jesus is God reached out his hand and grabbed a hold of Peter and lifted him up could it be that Jesus wants to reach out his hand and grab a hold of you how would Jesus do that since he's sitting at the right hand of the father how would he reach out his hand Maybe it's through the body of Christ. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. We are his body here on this earth. Maybe God wants to heal you. Maybe he wants to deliver you. Maybe he wants to give you hope. And it'll be through somebody in his church, the body of Christ, reaching out his hand. And it says, He caught him. He caught him on the way down, didn't let him sink to the bottom caught him on the way down I like that phrase caught him because Jesus caught me actually I'd use a different word I would say he arrested me some of you have been arrested you know what I'm talking about he arrested me he grabbed a hold of my hand caught me from sinking and wouldn't let me get away Jesus loves me listen he loves you just as much I'm not something special he loves you just as much he won't let you sink. But you got to reach out to him. Yeah. Sometimes you've got to get out of the boat you're trusting in. and we'll Get out on the water and trust him. We stand together. We've got some people here that know how to pray. If, if, you're, if you're up here from time to time praying, I want you to come up right now. I want you to inspire some others. Come on up. I want these people to be praying because some of us in this room feel like we're sinking. You feel like you're sinking right now. Maybe it's something the doctor said to you, scared you. You're sinking. Maybe it has to do with your job. Maybe it has to do with your marriage. You just had a big blowout fight with your spouse. Maybe you feel like you're sinking in your relationship. I want you, if you feel like you're sinking, to come up to these folks for prayer. If you think everything's fine for you, I'm not talking about you. You can stay right where you're at. I'm talking about people who feel like they're sinking. And Jesus is saying, come. Get out of where you are. Take a step of faith. Step toward God. Watch what He wants to do in your life. So we're going to sing this last song. And as we do... I want you to leave your seat, come down to this altar, because these people will pray a prayer of faith. They're going to believe God to do great and mighty things. Jesus, his hands and his feet are standing right here at this altar. This is the body of Christ. The power of God can work through them to deliver you, to raise you up, set you free. I believe he wants to do that. So we're going to sing this last song. Come on up. Let God set you free and deliver you. In Jesus' name, amen.